Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. Okay, here's a joke. So a pirate walks into a bar with a steering wheel sticking out of his pants, and the bartender says, um, what's up with that steering wheel sticking out of your pants? And he says, argh, it's driving me nuts. I'm Brendan Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano. And from 89.3 KPCC in Los Angeles, this is The Dinner Party Download, the show that gives you talking points and balmos to help you win your next dinner party. This week's icebreaker came from our guest of honor, Aaron Aitz of the band Aran. We'll be speaking with him later. But first, as with any dinner party, we start off with small talk. You're going to be talking about the week's news at this weekend's party. Who better to tell you which news is worth bringing up than the people who report it? So as usual, we took a stroll around the office and spoke to our colleagues at Public Radio's business show, Marketplace. Stacey Vanek-Smith, senior reporter for Marketplace, what is your story of the week? Basically, Disney and Verizon are teaming up to offer this application on your cell phone where you could use your cell phone inside the park to check and see if there's a long line at Space Mountain or see if you could make reservations at the pizza place inside the park. But there's sort of this sinister angle that Disney will like track you wherever you go. Sort of a big brother, Mickey Mouse kind of a thing. What is it about Disney that is simultaneously like so happy and also just so demonic and evil? Remember they opened up that strange planned community that they had all these weird rules like you couldn't park your car out on the street and you had to trim your lawn and there's a very fine line between fascism and fun. Betsy Streisand, senior editor at Marketplace, what are you going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about the dawn of the returnista. The returnista, do tell. First we had the fashionista, then we had the recessionista. Now what we have is the returnista. You go to a store, you buy something, you bring it home, you get that charge out of shopping, you have buyer's remorse, you take it back, and you go do it again. You sound like you know a little bit about this, actually. Oh, I know a lot about returning. Actually, I have friends who won't shop with me because I am, like, almost a compulsive returner. And the ridiculous thing is I always end up buying clothes that look exactly like the clothes I already have. You're like Arthur Fonzarella. Your closet has, like, 11 of the same things. I like to think of myself more in the sort of the Carla Broody mode. <laughs> Scott Jigau, host of the Marketplace Morning Report. What is the story you're going to be talking about this weekend? I'll be talking about the car makers and the fact that uh, the government's talking about bailing them out. Yeah, it's a very tough situation. You have so many jobs at stake, but they have so badly mismanaged these companies. You know, it's really hard to get on board with giving them more money. Yeah, but I think this has been instructive because we now know that the secret to financial longevity is to create a multi-billion dollar international failure. <laughs> this is what what the government should do is they should make all of our 401ks worth billions of dollars. And then we would be too big to fail. I love it. And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you about something that happened this week in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's our world-famous history lesson with booze. First, the history. This week, back in 1892, a man named Pudge Heffelfinger, yes, Pudge was his nickname, became the world's first pro football player. Now, at least some folks at your dinner party will know what pro football is. Not my dinner party. Well, mine. (laughs) But we seriously doubt they'll have heard of Pudge Heffelfinger. Thanks to our friend Michelle Philippi, you're about to. These days, a rookie starter in the NFL earns around $220,000 per regular season game. But back in 1892, Pudge Heffelfinger got 500 bucks. 
Of course, that's still about 11 grand in today's dollars. And Pennsylvania's Allegheny Athletic Association thought Pudge was worth every penny. After all, he was a three-time All-American football star at Yale. The problem? Athletic clubs back then weren't supposed to pay players. Well, not salaries anyway. Instead, clubs picked up players' expenses or gave them nice gifts. But Allegheny Athletic Association was about to play their rival, the Pittsburgh Athletic Club. And Allegheny wanted to win. Bad. 500 bucks bad. Here's the funny part. Pittsburgh had already offered Heffelfinger 250 bucks to play for their team. It was even reported in the local paper. In fact, it wasn't until Heffelfinger showed up for the game wearing Allegheny's uniform that Pittsburgh realized they'd secretly been outbid. Pudge kicked butt that day, scoring the game's only touchdown. But he never publicly admitted he'd been paid. Even so, the very next year, teams started signing players to cash contracts. Heffelfinger, meanwhile, moved on to another vocation where you're not supposed to take kickbacks. Politics. He was twice elected commissioner of Hennepin County, Minneapolis. So that was the history. Now it's time for the cocktail. We're speaking with Jesse Best. He's a bartender at Olive or Twist. Get it? A martini bar in Pittsburgh. Jesse, you heard the story of Pudge. What cocktail does his story inspire you to make? I would say, especially here downtown in Pittsburgh, we're in the Cultural District, which is just, you know, a couple blocks away from the stadiums. We feature a uh, cocktail called the um, Black and Gold. Black and Gold being the color of the Pittsburgh Steelers, your local football team. Exactly. Okay, tell me about it. Uh, what that consists of is Blavod Black Vodka, uh-huh. a little bit of Chambord, which we uh, shake vigorously, and you pour about four ounces of that in the bottom, which create a solid black color. Oh, my God. And, and then separately, we take Lemoncello, which is a lemon liqueur, and Sours, shake that, and then you spoon that over the top, and what that does is actually floats on top of the vodka, creating a uh, Black and Gold presentation. Oh, man. So it's like it's got a dividing line. There's two levels to it. Exactly, yeah. Right on. But it, this doesn't really sound like a drink that a football player would be caught dead drinking. Uh, I, you know what? I haven't <laughs> served one to one of the football players that comes in here, but uh, it is quite popular with the ladies. Wait, so those guys really come into your place? We get them all the time. I Actually, I had an art opening last Friday, and um, Mike Tomlin was in uh, our VIP room, the head coach of the Steelers. Art and football. What a cultured coach. Yeah, it's a nice little mix here. I have to say, as a former Pittsburgher, that drink makes me really proud. Yep. Pudge Heffelfinger. <laughs> it was, the name is because he gained like 27 pounds in his first year in college football. I see. That, that Maybe that could explain why they called me Tequila Face in college. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listeners, do you have a silly nickname? <laughs> uh, if so, email me directly. It's MuttLickerCowboy at, at, actually use my work address, dinnerparty at kpcc.org. Rodham Cowboy. Our guest of honor this week is Aaron Eights. He is the man behind the indie rock band Iran. Aaron, you've got a new EP out. It's called Buddy, and you are getting ready to put out your third full length, which is called? It's called Dissolver. And it is how many years in the making? (laughs) It took a while to make it, but it also had uh, years of delay, so I I wasn't really crafting it during all this time (laughs) you're not like brian wilson like slaving away at one bar of music for years no but you know like brian wilson this was the first uh record that 
I got to do in a major studio with a big producer and uh, Kip and I overlaid 50 vocals on the end of the last track so that was pretty cool. I should mention Kip being Kip Malone who also plays with TV on the radio. Yep, Kip of TV on the radio is the other half of the band. So you you layered 50 vocals. Did you actually have 50 singers or did you just have 50 tracks? No, it was just layering vocals after vocal after vocal. It's, it's actually kind of more Disney sounding than Beach Boys. We always ask two questions of our guests on this show. The first is, what question are you sick of being asked in interviews? The most annoying question is, when's the record going to come out? Because we've had a a number of different delays due to crazy reasons. Like what? (laughs) Well, the craziest thing that happened was I uh, had a horrible case of sleep apnea. I had to go to some specialist surgeons who said it was the worst case they'd ever seen and that I hadn't actually slept or achieved sleep in two years. You didn't sleep for two years? That's correct, yes. Now, the other question we always ask here is, tell us something no one at our dinner party is going to know about you. That would seem to qualify. Describe sleep apnea. In my case, they had to remove my tonsils, uvula, and uh, parts of the inside of my throat because whenever I would lie down, I would instantly start choking. It sounds like snoring. It's actually choking. Tell me what it was like the first night you got a full night's sleep. Oh, it was incredible. I felt like I was a superhero. It was a dramatic effect. It had gotten so bad that I was like hallucinating. Like I would be saying to my girlfriend, what did you like better that we did today? To go to the baseball game, go out to dinner or see the UFO. <laughs> I'm really glad you got a good night's sleep, man. <laughs> There's always something missing when you get the box. If you're interested in direct engagement with the RAN, you can go to our website and hear one of their tracks at dinnerpartydownload.com. You should know better than to tell me what you were waiting for. So we've met our guest of honor. That brings us to the main course, the part of the show where we learn about food. So Rico, have you heard about this presidential election? The pre- the what? <laughs> there was well, a what? Well, apparently Barack Obama won. Barack who? He was the Democrat. And now America is wondering what he's going to do when he gets to the White House. Uh, anti-war activists want him to pull troops out of Iraq. Auto unions want a bailout for the car industry. And foodies, they want the front lawn of the White House. I guess that's better than the Lincoln bedroom. <laughs> what are you talking about? All right, look, I'm not making this up. I got it straight from Eddie Gaiman Cohen, She's editor of the food blog, The Haphazard Gourmet Girls. The White House has, you know, a huge, beautiful lawn in front of it, which is currently laden with pesticides and fertilizers and uses a lot of water to maintain. And Kitchen Gardeners International started this project called Eat the View to turn the White House lawn into an organic garden, which is a great idea. I think I understand that, but don't you think it would be pretty radical if he put a tiller to the front lawn of the White House? I, I do. But... 
that's a huge lawn. Even if part of it was a garden, that would be brilliant. And it would supply food, obviously the most local food possible, for state dinners as well as for local food banks and school programs, which is, it's just a great idea. One of the things that may determine whether there's a garden or not is the choice of chef, right? Yes, absolutely, which is is suddenly the big hot topic. Is there any speculation about who it might be? The radical foodists want it to be someone who's into organics. Um, I think it's safe that Obama's going to separate himself from anyone with the title radical. But is there what any other? There are some great Chicago chefs. The Obamas like an Italian restaurant called Spaggia. Depending on who you believe, Michelle Obama's favorite food is macaroni and cheese or a certain octopus dish from Spaggia. But Art Mantua, the chef there, said he hadn't been contacted and he wasn't interested. I know, but I mean, in the restaurant world, it doesn't seem like a very glamorous job being the White House. Like if you have your own restaurant in Chicago, you're living the life, then all of a sudden, like you're making tuna fish sandwiches for Malia at three in the morning. Exactly. And also security clearance. Who in the restaurant world really is going to pass <laughs> security clearance? You know, it's like who doesn't have a Coke habit and isn't sleeping with one of their waitresses? Is that exactly, what you're saying? Exactly, right? I mean, honestly. All right, so you really don't think it would be glamorous to cook at the White House? Well, <laughs> that seems ridiculous to me. <laughs> well, it's just a big cafeteria. No, honestly, Eddie actually told me that um, apparently Obama's diet during the campaign mostly consisted of power bars, peanuts, and Nicorette. Sounds like dinner at my house. <laughs> and that's the Dinner Party download for this week, thanks to our researcher, Jessica Dial. And thanks, as always, to John Raby and Queen of Kim. You should check out their really rad show, Off Ramp. We'll be featured in their Thanksgiving special next week, Rico. Yay, turkeys. Head over to kpcc.org and click on Off Ramp. We leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to play on your way to or departing from this weekend's dinner party. At the risk of beating a dead horse and getting arrested by the funk police, we bring you Lee Dorsey's 1970 funk classic, Yes We Can. Bon appetit. Now is the time for all good men to get together with one another. Honor the problems and honor the quarrels And try to live as brothers And try to find peace within Without stepping on one another And do respect other women of the world Just remember we all had mothers
Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Noonan, aka Malt Liquor Cowboy and Tequila Face.